I was already crying during the song service. That's not a good sign, or maybe it is a good sign. Todd asked me to fill in for him, which I'm always grateful for the opportunity. I'm not sure I'd want to preach every week again, but it's nice to do it once in a while. Uh, let's pray, and we're going to get right to it. Uh, Father, we come before you this morning just sobered by reality. And all I can ask today is that you would move me out of the way. Your spirit would have freedom to flow through me and communicate what we need to hear. We give you this time as sacred. In Christ's name, amen. I titled the message today, Bad News, Worse News, and Great News. We're going to look at just two verses of the Bible, which doesn't mean it will be short, but we're only looking at two verses. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. So over the last five to six weeks, I've been to the funeral home four times. We went to Pennsylvania for the Little League World Series and I'd gotten word that one of my best boyhood friends, we walked school together every day. John lived catty corner across the street in our little neighborhood and a gifted athlete. And John was like six foot tall in ninth grade. And I was, I doubt I was even five foot tall. And there was a cartoon back then called Mutt and Jeff. And it was a tall guy and a little guy. And everybody said when John and I were walking to school, I was a year older than him too, that we looked like Mutt and Jeff. Well, John got shot and killed. And I went to his viewing. So sobering. And then I got, we came home and one of my best friends in the church I pastored over in Chesapeake uh, sent me a text that his wife was on her last leg and getting ready to die. And so like three weeks ago, I drove over to Chesapeake for Linda's funeral. Then we had Herbs here pass away. It was the funeral home for him. And then... The most godly woman I've ever met, I actually wrote about her in my books. Her na name was Inez Fletcher. She was Linda's mom, my best friend's wife's mom. And she died 10 days after her daughter. So I just got back from Chesapeake Friday night, having gone over to attend her funeral. I believe for me personally and what God was going to call me to do, he allowed me to be exposed to death early and often just to help shape me into who I became. I was introduced to death personally when I was eight years old. I remember like it was yesterday, our family was having dinner together in our little kitchen in South Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It was a rainy Friday night. I believe it was in November, November 6th. 
our phone rang. Now that was a little more uncommon than it is today. And nobody had cell phones yet, so all the phones were attached to the wall or a desk or something, so we had a wall phone. And I remember my mom got up and answered the phone, and I can still hear her voice say, What? And then she dropped her head and just started sobbing. Mom was the glue that held her family together. She had six brothers and a sister. And her baby brother, my Uncle Bob, the favorite of all our cousins, we all loved Uncle Bob and Aunt Shirley. Mom began to weep, and when she composed herself, she told us Uncle Bob's wife committed suicide. 28 years old. My uncle, man, they were just so special. I remember her taking me to basketball games where he was refereeing, and they weren't able to have children, and she kind of like snatched us up to kind of fill that void, I believe. But she had taken sleeping pills. Something in her young life overwhelmed her to the point she couldn't go on. She took sleeping pills. It was a beautiful note to my uncle. He came home from work that day, and he saw the house look like it did when he left that morning and knew something was wrong and found her in their bed dead. I remember being taken out of school. My mom came and got me at school and took me in me alone to the funeral home to see her. Had quite an impact on us. Couldn't believe. She was beautiful. My beautiful aunt gone. That wasn't enough. One of my aunts and uncles lived a couple blocks from us and they were like second parents to me. Uncle Bob and Aunt Peg. Peg was my mom's only sister. They helped us buy our first house, not with money, but one of their neighbors was building a new house and they heard about it and they went over and talked to him, said we were a young married couple and thought we probably could afford it. And we ended up buying a house directly across the street from him. So I think it was our first year in that house. We moved in like October, November that year. February 16th, 6.30 in the morning, our phone rang. And it was my dad. We lived so close to him, he never called. So I knew something was wrong. He said, I wanted to talk to you before you see it on the news. Aunt Peg, un Uncle Bob, my mom's other brother, Uncle Jack, and his wife, Ann Ann, and another couple had all been to a birthday party the night before. And on their way home, a drunk driver crossed three lanes, hit him head on. Uncle Jack, his wife, Ann Ann, and my Aunt Peg were all killed. Uncle Bob was in critical condition. I had to go over and take care of their house. 
talk about a sobering funeral. I was not yet a Christian. And we walked in that funeral home, and there they were, head to toe, three of them right across the funeral home. My mom's brother, sister, sister-in-law. So Ecclesiastes 7, verses 2 through 4, say it's better to spend your time at funerals than at wedding parties. And it goes on to say, after all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for sadness has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death, while fools thinks only about having a good time now. If I'm not already, I don't want this message to be a Debbie Downer, but we need to hear the truth. And for most of my life, I've had an overwhelming sense of the brevity of life. The Bible says we're just like a mist in the morning. Here today, gone tomorrow. And the thing that upset me today (laughs) during the worship time was I want to share some sobering bad news with you. And then I'm going to share some even frightening worse news. But finally, I'm going to share some really, really great news. The first point of my message is Hebrews 9.27. Each of us has an appointment with death. It's appointed on the men on the men once to die. And while we were sitting there during the singing, I was thinking about this, and I thought, look around this room. Because one way or the other, each of us is going to view the other in the box. I hope some of you young guys don't have any tragedies and live long enough to come up to a box, look in there, and say, hey, he was all right. But I was thinking about my bride, 50 years, over 50 years now together. One of us, unless we both die in a car wreck together, which would be good, one of us is going to have to plan and prepare a funeral for the other. Everything in your mind screams, no, it isn't true. Block that out. I'm young. I got all the time in the world. We don't like to think about it. We don't talk about it much. If it jumps in our heads that we're mortal, we try to chase it out as quickly as possible. I remember one of the times I thought about death was when we brought home a new baby. I was always afraid for that fragile little life until the Lord finally convinced us with all three kids, they belong to him, not us. We don't talk about this unless a life insurance guy comes. And we even call it life insurance, not death insurance but it's really death insurance. 
I don't know if there's any cemetery plot salesmen come door to door and knock on your door, but that might be the only other time we think about it. <coughs> so it's left us, preachers, to bring the reminder the day's coming and we never know when it is. My next early encounter with death, I, we were just newly married. We lived in that house, not a Christian yet. It was right around this time of year. It was a beautiful fall day like today. My father-in-law, Gail's dad, needed some help. Somebody was tearing down a house, and he was a miser, and he wanted to get some lumber out of that torn-down house. And I was going to go down. I was a carpenter. I was going to go down and help him get some boards and I'm driving a motorcycle. I just left our house, one block, left turn, right turn. I'm coming down Main Street in our little town. And I saw a fire truck at the corner up ahead. And we had all volunteer firemen in our little community. And they were out on a Sunday joyride riding around in the fire trucks because firemen like to play on the fire trucks. They were out checking fire hydrants, so they were parked right at a fire hydrant, which my parents from that fire hydrant lived half a block up on the hill. And I'm coming down, and I see the truck. And man, when the whistles went off in these volunteer fire companies, they were loud. And the fire company where I was was like right back here, not that far away. And pretty soon that siren went off. And man, all these firemen scrambled and they jumped on that truck and I heard the engine roar and they're in an intersection just like this and they back around this corner and I'm coming down this way behind them and I see this little kid pushing his bike across the street right behind the fire truck. And man, I jumped off my motorcycle and I'm waving my arms and screaming Then I saw the little bike and the little boy run over by the fire truck. And I ran around there and I grabbed him by the leg and pulled him out from under the truck and it was obvious he was already dead. I mean, the firemen were laying all over the banks crying. I wasn't crying yet. It was adrenaline, but I just left everything there and walked to my mom and dad's and as soon as I opened the front door and saw them, I just broke down and wept. Death can be brutal, brutally cruel. And I learned that the little guy's name was Jay. He was six years old. And that brush with death shook me. To the core. Remember years later when my dad was dying of cancer, we got to be there with him the last 10 days. Hospice was called in, and when they came in, they handed us a brochure. And I'll never forget the front of that brochure. It said, 100% of every generation dies, which let me know they weren't Christians. Because one generation is going to be living when Jesus comes back and we're not going to have to face death. 
But for the most part, we are all destined to die. And the idea of destined means to be governed by inevitable external circumstances. So I want you to take just a second and look around this room and think about your loved ones. And know that either they're going to attend your funeral or you're going to attend theirs. Each of us has an appointment with death, and that is bad news. But I have worse news. Hebrews 9.27b, not everyone who dies goes to heaven. Sure sounds like it at the funeral home, doesn't it? You could have been the biggest drug deal and scallywag hooligan there ever was, and when they preach your funeral, it sure sounds like die and turn sinners into saints, but it doesn't. I heard a joke at one funeral, a guy died, and the son's sitting there with his mom, a little kid, and the preacher's up there waxing eloquent about the guy that died, and and the mama nudges the little boy and says, would you go up there and look in that box and make sure that's your daddy they're talking about? You could do your family a huge favor. And that is by not leaving any doubt. One of the funerals I went to, Linda and Inez, both, the preacher said it's the easiest funeral I ever had to preach. Both of them knew and loved the Lord and lived for him for years and years and years, and nobody anywhere would question them, even their worst enemies. The worst thing you can do to your family is die and be uncertain about your destiny because that passage says it's pointed unto us once to die, but then to face judgment. The Bible speaks a lot about judgment. There's multiple judgments mentioned in the Bible, but it is clear each of us will answer to Almighty God, the creator of the universe, how we lived our lives. Romans 14, 12 says, So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Revelation 20, 12, at the end of that verse says, And the dead were judged by what was written in the book according to what they had done. The point is, we must all face our Maker. For those who have chosen to live life on their own terms with an attitude that no one will tell me how to live, and I will do as I please with my life, it won't be good. We're talking about standing before the all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe, and we are but dust. I heard a little thing on Facebook this week. They asked a question, other than Bill, how many of you know your grandfather's father's name? 
See, we're going to live our life. We're going to die. Everything we thought was valuable to us, we're leaving behind. Somebody else is going to live in my house. Somebody else drive my car a few years, and then I'll be in the dump. Everything we thought was so important is going to be left. And then we have to face our maker. I don't want to have to get there and say, wow, let me tell you what I live for. You know that nice house on the hill over there on Haskell Station Road? That was me, baby. Yeah, he's going to be impressed. He said, oh, you didn't know a tornado went through. That thing's been gone for a decade. The New York State line was one hour from Williamsport. Back in the day, you only had to be 18 to drink beer in New York. Had to be 21 in Pennsylvania. I can't tell you how many kids died on the way back from New York. But one of them was my friend. He caught, I pitched on our little league team. Thought it was a good idea to go to New York one Friday night. And then he thought it was a really good idea because he drives better when he's drunk to drive home, and on the way home he got in a wreck and got killed. His name was Tim. I remember standing at his casket, looking in at him, probably 18 years old, 19 at best. At this point, I was a brand new Christian. A guy I wrestled with in high school, we called him Jack Flash. He was our heavyweight. His name was Jim. He came up and stood by me, and we were looking at Tim together. We were both in utter disbelief he was gone. I never remember hearing anything about Tim going to church or having any kind of faith in his life. He was like most of the rest of us growing up, a bunch of hooligans. But the fact he had the name Tim, which was Timothy, which is a biblical name, gave me a little hope. But Jim standing next to me, we're looking at our dead friend and me, a baby Christian. I asked Jim, what are you thinking about? He said, I'm really thinking that could be me in the box. And I said, what if it was? He said, it scares me even to think about it. Hebrews 2.15 says some people live their whole lives in fear of death. For the average person out there who pays little attention to God or faith or scripture, the idea of dying is tough to face. So with all the seriousness I can muster, I want you to know you will die. So will I. And we will face judgment before a holy God. And if that doesn't scare you, 
It should. If it doesn't scare you, it's because you've constantly pushed it out of your conscious mind and you never think about it except for maybe a brief thought. Man, I'm glad to be done with that part. Bad news, the worst news. Now some really great news. The next verse in Hebrews 9, 27 says, just as we have to die once, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. Notice, not all. And he will appear a second time, not to go to the cross and bear sin again, but to bring salvation to all who are waiting for him. And we know from other passages that even if you die before that as a Christian, the dead in Christ will rise first and they'll go to meet him in the air. And then we will rise up and we'll be together with him forever and ever. And that is great news when you think of the first two points. And just as each person is destined to die once, Jesus came and died a cruel death on the cross and then kicked death in the teeth as he rose from the grave and won the victory over death and then is able to distribute that freely by grace to all who will believe in him and receive that sacrifice as their own. The judge of the universe then looks at you and says, you are not guilty in my sight. In fact, I declare you righteous and death has no more claim on you. Hallelujah. But it not only says he rescues us, he uses us to rescue others. I had a conversation with a couple the other day that I got to stay with, and we were talking about world religions, and it was clear to me they weren't fond of evangelical Christianity, and I told him about how awesome it was to know that the God of the universe paid the debt for my sin and I was forgiven and I will, I do have and will have eternal life. I'm going to heaven when I die. And they said, so what? What good is that now? What do you do now? I said, I take as many with me as I can. Funny thing was, I said to him, Let's just scrap all world religions for a minute. Scrap the Bible. Scrap everything. Let's say there's a God in heaven that we got to answer to. But he is willing to forgive us of everything we've ever done. And then one day, ultimately, we can go live with him on a new heaven and a new earth. And they both said, who wouldn't want that? And that is our message. And religion gets in the way of all of it. I'm Christians over there, a bunch of hypocrites. Well, so what? You're still going to die and have to answer to God. Second Corinthians 8, uh, 5, 18 through 21 says, All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. 
And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And all you have to be is a football fan to know John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son. So whoever believes in him or trusts him and what he did on the cross when he took our sin upon himself and what he did when he kicked death in the teeth and came out of the grave alive, whoever believes that has eternal life and will never perish. Praise God. Jesus Christ can give us eternal life so that when we die physically, we just move, we change locations and go to be with him. So my best friend's wife, Linda, who just died, Herb's here at our church who just died, Inez who just died physically, that I just got back from her funeral. Their bodies died for a while, but they'll be resurrected in the future. And they are alive this morning, worshiping Jesus on a front row seat in heaven. And Jesus doesn't save us just so we can go to heaven. That's kind of like a fringe benefit. Eternal life starts now. It's present tense possession. It's not only a duration of time, but it's a quality of life. It's God's life through you. And it's a much higher plane than what you could ever live on your own. And it's characterized by things like love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, self-control. And I challenge you to think of the opposites of all those as what we get naturally, and the fruit of the Spirit is much better than what we produce on our own. <clears throat> he died to redeem the entire world He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. And repentance is, when you hear the good news, repentance is a hope-filled word. It's God throwing out the lifeline through the gospel. Jesus did that for me. And you hear it, and it clicks. And you embrace it. It's God giving you a fresh start, a new start in life. Everything forgiven. Eternal reservations made for you in heaven. And so you change your mind. You said, you know what? I'm not going my way anymore. I'm turning from all that, and I'm, I'm going to go with you. And when you choose to do that, the first two points don't really matter in this sermon. Yeah, your old body's still going to die, but for you to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. 
And you won't stand and answer to God for your sins. Jesus already paid for all them. You'll stand before him to see how much reward he's going to give you for being a faithful follower. Everybody's talking about their self-identity today. Yeah, I think I'm a woman today. Your identity as a follower of Jesus Christ is you are a new creation in Jesus. The old things are going away and everything's becoming new. And you have a job. You actually have a job title. Todd and I just heard at seminary for a day. Our job title is we're ambassadors for the King of Kings. How's that for a job title? You might not have finished high school, but if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're an ambassador for the King of Kings. And you represent him everywhere you go. Back to the funeral home when my teenage friend Tim died coming back from New York. Jim, the wrestler, and I, I was on the wrestling team too, a little lighter weight than Jim. We were talking about death and what if it was us in the box and all that stuff. And Jim said, did you walk here? I'd like to walk home with you. I said, no, I actually drove it. I'll give you a ride home. So all the way to his house, I was talking to him. All I knew was how I got saved. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything else about the Bible. I knew I was a sinner. I knew God loved me with everything in him. And I knew Jesus died for me and rose again. And I knew that I humbled myself and said yes to him. I want you to take over my life. Forgive my sins. That's all I knew. And that's all I told him. And he sat in my car in front of his house and bowed his head and accepted Christ into his life that night after a viewing. Because a funeral home makes you think. The great news is, in fact, the greatest news for all humans there ever was, is you too can have eternal life like hitting the fountain of youth. You can live forever in a new heaven and a new earth with Jesus and all of us who have already repented of our sin and embraced him by faith. <clears throat> so I'm done. Life is brief. It passes so quickly. Ask Dwayne. Ask Barbara. Ask me. My brain hadn't caught up with my body yet. My brain thinks I'm still 30. But the clock keeps going around and my body's 69. I don't know how it happened. Seems like yesterday, Gail and I were you guys. Newlyweds, young, having little babies. Now our oldest grandchild's 20. Goes by so fast. 
I know I might have a decade left, maybe two if I'm fortunate. But I might only have a year, maybe just today. Logan might beat me with a softball and take me out at the softball game next week. Life is so brief, but eternity is so long. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you will die. And you will face judgment. But I love being the bearer of great news. You can embrace Jesus Christ this morning. Turn from your stuff. Turn towards him. And you can join the team. And you can start helping us, helping others, getting as many in the lifeboat as we can before the ship goes down. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know if this was as sobering for everybody else as it was for me. But what a reminder of the brevity of life. And from a six-year-old boy getting hit by a fire truck to a 28-year-old taking their life to everybody in between I've had the experience of being with now over my lifetime. I pray that the promise is true, that the word that went forth today would not return empty. I pray that whoever needed to hear this most, whether online today or online later, or this morning sitting in our auditorium, would respond to you. There's a spiritual battle going on right now. It's almost like there's two parts warring within some people right now. One side of them saying, don't listen to that guy, he's crazy. And the other side of them saying, this would really be a good day to settle things. I pray that victories would be won here today through the power of your spirit, drawing people to yourself before it's too late. We love you and thank you for rescuing us from the jaws of death and from judgment. In Christ's name, amen.